0: thanks for joining us today for the ramp church podcast we pray that you will be encouraged and empowered by this week's message and you would encounter god wherever you're listening from if you'd like to know more about ramp church manchester or would like to partner with us in giving visit us over on our website ramp.church mcr or find us on social media now let's go into this week's message Again, I want to say what George has said, Happy New Year, welcome to Ramp Church. We're so glad that you're here tonight. And I feel very excited in my heart um, from what I believe the Lord wants to speak to us tonight. So ultimately, we are going to go to the book of Genesis, and starting in chapter 15, verse number 7-ish, somewhere around there, I think it's 7 And then we will go backwards to Genesis 11. But I actually want to begin with a verse from the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse number 19. Before I read it, let's just take a moment and pray and recognize the Lord's presence and thank Him for His presence. Father, we thank You that we are here tonight, not by accident. We are here tonight because You are good and You have something You want to speak to us That, Lord, brings the goodness of your presence into our lives. And we thank you for that. So tonight, Father, I ask that you would prepare our hearts to be receptive, prepare our hearts to to hear your voice. Father, as it says over and over again in your word, let him has an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We want to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us tonight in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let me give you this idea that we're going to unpack tonight that'll begin in Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, and then we'll go backwards to Genesis 15 and then Genesis 11 and 12. Here's the big idea I believe God wants to speak to you in a way that does three things it gives meaning to your past. Clarity to your present, and definition to your future. God wants to speak to you in a way that gives meaning to your past, clarity to your present, and definition to your future. You see, you can go through seasons of not hearing from God. And when you're going through those seasons, you're not quite sure what story it is you're living How how to interpret the details of your life, how to put together the pieces that are made up of your everydays and your experiences and the motions and the circumstances that come with that. However, when you step into a moment of revelation, when you step into a moment where God speaks to you, the moment that God speaks to you is not just for that moment. It becomes a lens through which you can interpret your history. And it becomes the lens through which you see your right now present moment and the lens through which you can look into your future and see the trajectory of where you are going. Why? Because God, as we were seeing a moment ago, is not just the God who is and who is coming. He is the God who was and who is and who is to come. Now when God says I'm the one who was, what he's saying is even when you didn't know I was there, I was there working in ways you may not have understood. But the fact that I'm here speaking today can give you clarity about where I was yesterday. How many people would like to look behind them and see where God was even though you may not have seen where he was when you were there? And what happens is when God gives you clarity about where he was in your yesterday, it gives you better understanding about what he's doing today and greater preparation for what he's going to do tomorrow. So Revelation chapter 1 verse 19, God speaks to John and he says this, write the things which you have seen and the things which are And the things which will take place after this. You see, the book of Revelation is a a tricky book to interpret. There's a lot of debates about the book of Revelation. Is it poetically describing the the larger scale of the biblical storyline? Is it describing the events that were happening in John's day? Within the Roman Empire and the churches that were facing persecution, or is it description about the end times of what's going to happen and the days preceding the return of the Lord? Which is it? Is it things that were? Is it things that, that, that were happening then, or is it things to come? And I think my answer is probably yes to all the above. Because God says to John, when you write down what I show you in this moment of revelation, it's going to give you a lens for all three scenarios. I'm going to show you something today that's going to reveal what was, what is, and what is to come. One moment of revelation can become an interpretive lens to unlock not just the current season, but the past season, the current season. In the future season. So, tonight is not going to end with a conclusion because I don't know that I'm going to give you what God is saying to you that will give you that interpretive lens. What tonight is, is a, dec- is a description of how God wants to speak to you. So, tonight's not a conclusion, tonight's an invitation where you will then take the principles that are taught tonight and then lean into God so you can access His counsel for yourself. So we're going to look at how God speaks in ways that unlocks yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I believe God wants to speak a word in due season that, again, gives meaning to your past, clarity about your present, and definition to your future. Let's go to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15, verse number 7. Genesis 15, verse number 7. And then from there, we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis 15, verse number 7. Then he said to him, let's identify the pronouns, he is God, him is Abram or Abraham. He, God, said to him, Abraham. Now God said to Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. Now, this doesn't look like a profound scripture to us. It looks like God is just doing a little history review with Abraham. But if you go back and consider Abraham's trajectory, his timeline, which we will in just a moment, you begin to realize that this is not just God restating the obvious about Abraham's life. This is a moment of revelation where God is giving Abraham a new lens. This is a moment of revelation where God is letting Abraham know I was writing your story long before you knew you were even living a story. I was involved in the details before you ever knew who I was or I spoke your name. Now, again, when you first read that verse, you don't get that immediately. Because most of us think that God here is just repeating what he said to Abraham when he spoke to him when he was living in Ur of the Chaldeans. But I wanna look at something specific about Abraham's life. And here's the question I wanna ask to give this message tonight a little more definition. When did God speak to Abraham? Now, we all know that God spoke to him and said, get out of your house, leave your father's land, go to a place I will show you. My question is, when did God say that to him? So to answer that question, let's go to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 27 and then read all the way through Genesis 12, verse number 9. That's our plan. We may, just, we may not make it that far. Who knows? Okay. Genesis chapter 11, starting in verse 27. This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram. This is the Abram that becomes Abraham. So Terah is the father of Abraham. This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begot Lot, and Haran died before his father Terah in his native land in Ur of the Chaldeans. Then Abraham and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son, his son Abram's wife, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. Now, notice this detail. I know we're getting lost in the geology and the names and the details, but let's kind of break it down so far. Terah is the father of three sons that that we know of, Abram. Nahor and Haran, right? Haran dies. Terah's son, Haran, dies. So now it's just Terah, Abram, and Nahor. Now, Terah makes a family move. And he says to his son, Abram, and his wife, Sarai, and then to his grandson, Lot, let's go. We are going to the land of Canaan. We are leaving Ur of the Chaldeans and we are going to the land of Canaan. All right, so that's where we are in the story. Verse 31, let's read it again. And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. Okay, this is a little confusing because now we've got two Harans in the passage. We've got Haran, the brother of Abraham, the son of Terah, who died and left a son behind Lot. All right, so that man, Haran, is dead. Now we've got Terah and Abram. They are going to Canaan. That's their destination. So they leave Ur of the Chaldeans. If I had a map up here, I'm just going to do it with my hands. They're over here and Ur of the Chaldeans. I'm sorry, from your point of view. It's over here and Ur of the Chaldeans. They travel up. And they are going to come down to the land of Canaan, beside the Mediterranean Sea. As they travel up, they stop at a city called Haran. A city that has the same name of the man who died. So they come up to a city called Haran. And watch this. It says, and they dwelt there. Verse 32. So the days of Terah... Were 205 years, and Terah died where? In Haran. They were going from Ur the Chaldeans, making their way to the land of Canaan. On the way, they make a stop in Haran, and instead of continuing their journey, they stop in Haran, and Terah dies there. Now, Genesis chapter 12, verse number 1. Now the Lord... "...had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing." I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And all the families of the earth, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terabith tree of Moreh. And the Canaanites were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. Now, okay, let's, let's break this down. Let's summarize the story again. Terah takes his son and his grandson to go to Canaan. They leave Ur of the Chaldeans. They go to Haran. While they're in Haran, guess what? Terah dies. Next is Genesis 12. In Genesis 12, God speaks to Abraham, and he says the famous words. whoop, I went too far back. He says the famous words, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Where was Abram when God said this? In Haran. Abram was in Haran when God said, get out of your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. If Abram was in Haran when God said that, why does he say in Genesis 15, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans? You see, when I read Genesis 15 verse seven and he says, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans, that makes me think that he was in Ur of the Chaldeans when God told him to go. But that's not where Abram was when God told him to go. He was no longer in Ur of the Chaldeans. He was way up here in Haran and, anyway, I can't get into why they stopped. I'll get into that later. He was up here in Haran when God spoke to him and said, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans, which shows me this. God was letting Abram know, before you were even following my voice intentionally, I was involved in your story. I'm not just the God who brought you out of Haran down to Canaan. I was the God who brought you up from Ur of the Chaldeans when you didn't know who I was, when you didn't call on my name, when you didn't realize it was me moving your life toward promise. I was the one who took you from there and put you into a place where you could hear from me. So God tells Abram, I'm the one who brought you up of From Ur the Chaldeans. Here's what's amazing to me because until God says that in Genesis 15, here's what I wonder Did Abram always think that his dad just made a family move? Because to him, my dad, Terah, my brother died. Maybe he didn't want to be in Ur the Chaldeans anymore. I guess he wants to go someplace new, away from the place of his grief. He wants to go to a land called Canaan. I guess we're making a family move. And Abram, I'm sure, would have interpreted the move purely through a natural lens. But when God speaks to him in a moment of revelation, suddenly the natural details of his life take on a supernatural quality. I believe God wants to speak to you at the beginning of this year so that you can look through your history and see the natural details of your life, having and possessing supernatural qualities. You're not where you are by accident. The same God that took Abram out of Ur of the Chaldeans is the same God who moved you to the place you're in right now. And even if the movements in your life that led you to this moment do not look like Surrender and obedience. God's involved in your story even before you realize He's the one writing your story. God's involved in the details even before you know that He's involved in the details. God was involved in Abram's story before Abram even knew what his name was or that he could call on this God. That's how amazing. God is, and that's the kind of lens God wants to give you in moments of revelation. Not just to speak to you about where you are, but to give you definition and meaning to where you've been that's led you to where you are. All right, so let's consider this a little further. So when God speaks to Abram and says, I'm the one that brought you up from Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, yes, it gives him fresh understanding of the story of his life and how God was involved even before he knew God. But it also gives, like I said a moment ago, it also gives fresh clarity to his present moment and definition to where he's going. And when God speaks to him, here's what Abram must realize. I'm living a story that was begun in the generation before me. And I have some things to finish that I didn't even start. I've got some things to finish that I didn't even start. How do we know that? His father, Terah, did not set out to go to Haran. His father, Terah, set out to go to Canaan. And so when God speaks to Abram, get out of your father's house... It's not because his father's house was misguided in its goal. It's that his father's house stopped along the way toward the goal that God intended for them. And so God speaks to Abram and says, Listen. The first leg, the first leg of the journey was of me, but I don't want you to stop where your father stopped. I want you to finish the story that he began. So I'm the one that brought you up from earth, of the Chaldeans, but I don't want you to just identify as the one who left something. I want you to be identified as the one that moves into something. So I want to move you into the promise that your father never fulfilled. Why didn't his father finish the story? He got stuck in Haran. He got stuck in his own place of pain. Haran is not just the name of the city where he dwelt and died. Haran is the name of the son that died. And I'm wondering, did he leave Ur of the Chaldeans because of grief over the death of his son? And here's the here's whole thing. If you only base the movements of your life upon what kind of grief you're running away from, you'll never finish the story God intended for you. He runs from the grief intending to go to Canaan, but he gets stuck in a place that's named for the area of his grief, Haran. He gets paralyzed there and he dies there. It's almost as though the name was so familiar to his heart it stopped him mid-course and he couldn't move on into promise. We have to be careful that we don't allow areas of difficulty to become so so familiar to us that we get paralyzed on the way to promise. So Terah goes to the city that has the name of his dead son, and I'm sure the pain of the memories and the familiarity of what it was like when he was still living, it, it, it stopped him. It arrested him. So God speaks to Moses and says, listen, I honor your father for leaving Ur. But while I honor him for leaving Ur, I can't condone where he stopped. So it's time for you to get out of this house. It's time for you to get out of this land. It's time for you to move toward the place of promise. And here's the question I want to ask you. What unfinished stories has God called you to finish? What unfinished narratives has God called you to fulfill? I believe that you know a lot of times when we get into a new year we're always asking God questions about new things. And that's not necessarily a bad idea. I love the idea of getting new revelation, new ideas, new things. But sometimes when you step into a new year, you ought to ask the question, not just what new thing is God doing, but what old thing needs to be fulfilled and finished. What storyline am I a part of? What is it that God's doing through my life today that's going to be part of the generational work he's been doing for a long time For ages. And I believe that's what God was doing with Abram. He's saying, Abram, you may have thought your life was random. You may have thought your life was haphazard. You may have thought your life was circumstantially chaotic. But it was me. Maybe you didn't want to leave Ur of the Chaldeans. Maybe that had some good memories because it's where you met your wife. And it's where you you began a family. And it's your native country. And maybe you were mad at your dad for making you move from there to Haran. And maybe you got comfortable in Haran. But listen, Abram, it was me. I was the one moving you the whole time. I was the one that was writing your story. And guess what, Abram? The story's not finished. We've got more to do. So while I honor the sacrifice your father made to go as far as he did, don't get stuck where he did we need to go a little further. And we need to go to the place of promise and inheritance. I feel to just kind of keep the message brief tonight and invite the band back up here with me. Because I really believe that what God wants to do tonight is he wants to minister to people's hearts. And here's what I mean by that. <clears throat> I feel like there may be people here tonight that when you look over your life's story, all you see from your perspective is random, painful details that have no supernatural flavor to them. When you look at your own history, you see a, a, a God void. You see things that have no meaning. That They're just part of a, like an existential crisis. Why do I exist? And who am I? And what am I doing? I feel aimless because I can't make any sense out of what my past is. I certainly don't know what I'm supposed to be doing today. And I certainly don't know where I'm going or where it is that God has called me to be. And I believe God wants to affirm to you tonight that in the days where it seemed like he wasn't there, he was. And I don't know how to explain all the details of the painful experiences and I don't know how to give clarity and understanding to that. Again, tonight's not a conclusion. Tonight's an invitation. And the invitation is to draw near to the God who knows you. To draw near to the God who is not random, who is not haphazard, who is not taken off guard and surprised when you open up and tell him your story. No, he's the one that can speak to you in ways that make sense out of all the little details. You know, there are moments of revelation where suddenly things just make sense. It's like, have you ever watched a a movie before that has like a twist at the end? You're watching it and you're maybe a little confused or you think you know what's going on. And then you get to that moment, that aha moment, and when you, when you reach that moment, you suddenly go, oh, it all makes sense now. And if you were to re-watch the movie, guess what? You would see the meaning in all the random details from the very beginning. You didn't see it the first time you watched it. Why? Because you didn't have the moment of revelation yet. And so it seemed random. It seemed like no big deal. It seemed like very inconsequential stuff. But when you know where it's going, all of a sudden, every detail along the way is saturated in meaning. That's what happens when you step into a moment like Genesis fifteen seven. Again, a moment that probably didn't mean anything else to a lot of other people. Hey, Abram, I'm the one that brought you up from Ur, the Chaldeans. I'm just imagining the shock in Abraham's heart. What, you? Yeah, it was me. I thought my dad, no. It was me. I used your dad. I even used the difficulty and the pain of your brother's death. I even, I even used all of the hard days of the journey, the difficult days and the delay. I used all of that, Abram, to get you to the place where I wanted you so I could speak to you a word of promise that's going to change the whole world. How do we know the word of promise changed the whole world? Because when we get to Matthew chapter one, verse number one, how is Jesus introduced for the first time in written history? Here's how it opens. This is the book of Jesus the Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham. Jesus is introduced not just as the timeless Christ who manifested from heaven to the earth. He's introduced as the son of a story. And the son of the story that he's introduced through is the story of David. And the story of Abraham so God lets Abram know hey I know it was hard that family shuffle from Ur up to Haran and you guys kind of got stuck there but now you're moving forward I just want to let you know that Abram the details of your life they're not random it was me I was involved I was there I know the difficulty I know the pain and guess what I'm writing a story that's going to change the world I can't explain all the details about your life, but what I can do is say, God in heaven knows how to give you the clarity you need to make meaning out of your past, give you clarity in your present, and definition to your future. If you would just very reverently stand on your feet tonight. We're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you tonight that you're the God who sees You're the God who speaks. Oh, you're the author and you're the finisher of our faith. You're not just the God who is, who suddenly appeared. You're not just the God who is to come in a far off distant future. But you are the God who was, who is, and who is to come. Father, I thank you that you are the God who was involved in our story before we ever knew that you were the author of our story. And so Father, I ask that you would come in tonight and breathe by your Holy Spirit revelation and understanding and knowing that you would come in the name of Jesus and be near to a people who need you. Father I ask that you would come and be near to a people who are holding a lot of puzzle pieces we are holding a lot of shards of a broken life Father I ask that you would come and give us revelation and clarity about what it is you're doing, who it is you are, and God the promises that you're fulfilling through our lives. In Jesus' name. I just wanna say, our prayer teams are in place. If you need a place, you a place. This altar is open. If you just need to come and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, I wanna invite you to come. If you're in that place where you're entering a new year and for some people it may be exciting, but for you it's a little like, I'm not sure what to expect. I just wanna invite you to come and allow the Lord to bring his word and his spirit into your life, I want to invite you tonight into a place of revelation and inquiring of the Lord so he can give you exactly what you need to interpret your past, your present, your future. So Father, tonight we say yes. We say yes to your word. We say yes to your will. We say yes to your spirit, and we ask that you would do something in us tonight that brings healing, hope, and life in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.